The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. I'm sure we all have things that you just can't say no to. I mean, who can say no to the chips and salsa at the middle of your table at the restaurant? I mean, you can't say no, can you? Well, at the Smiley House, we cannot say no to cheese curds. Is anybody else with me on that? We spent some time up in Wisconsin, and you just can't go back. I guess there are not too many cheese curds fans out here. Well, you're missing out. So we actually had a family over at our house last week, and uh, they have a preschool girl, a four-year-old little girl. And um, that's foreign territory for the Smileys. We have all testosterone. We have all the competitiveness you could ever want in our house. And uh, we were playing a game together. And it was my turn. And on my turn, I had a chance to steal. And she had what I needed. And I looked over to her. And she looked back at me and said, Don't steal from me. So I didn't. I obviously did not do that because I was captivated by this foreign thing in my house. So I couldn't do that. I could not say no to that request. (laughs) But what is it that you cannot say no to? Think about this. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God himself was asking you something, could you say no? Could you reject God? Especially if you knew it was him. I'm sure that some of you may be thinking, well, of course not. I would never reject God. Some of you may be thinking, well, what is he asking me? It kind of depends. And there's maybe others of you that are thinking, I don't have a lot of trust in God I could say no to him. I don't know where you find yourself, but today we are finishing our series called Miracles. We've been walking through all of the miracles recorded by the Apostle John, Jesus' friend, one of his best friends that he ever had when he lived and walked on this earth, and John recorded some great ones. He recorded all kinds of miracles, and these miracles John called signs. He said these miracles are signs. These are signs pointing to Jesus. And not only do they point to Jesus, but they point to who he is and things about him that John wants us to know about Jesus. And there's one final miracle in John 11, and that miracle draws out a question that John has been dancing around over and over, pretty much every single miracle, but it is crystal clear in this final sign that John tells us about, and it is this, is Jesus God? Yes or no? That is the question we are confronted with, and it seems very straightforward, and today there needs to be an answer. There has to be an answer. You all have to answer this if you are listening today. And Jesus himself asks us this question. He asks it directly at really quite the awkward moment at a funeral. 
This is where he brings this out, is at a funeral. So turn to John 11, if you haven't already. That is where we will be all morning. John 11, get there and follow along with us. Verse 1, there's a man named Lazarus. He was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. See, this is not Mary, Jesus' mother. This is different Mary. But her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So usually, before a funeral, there's somebody who is very sick. That is no different here. Um, The person who is sick is Lazarus. Maybe you've heard of him, but if you have, you've heard of him from this chapter in the Bible because we don't know of him from any other place other than John 11. What we know is that he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. We've heard some things about them in the past, but we know that he is sick. We don't know with what, but he is certainly very sick, and his sisters want to send Jesus a message because he's not there. And they tell him, your friend is sick. They've seen Jesus do all kinds of miracles. They've seen him heal thousands of people, and they don't directly ask, but it's kind of assumed, hey, Jesus, don't you think um, we could get a little bit of love with the miraculous healing stuff? I mean, after all, we're your close friends. I think you could help us out here, right? Seems like that is the implication. Please, Jesus, come, even though they don't ask directly. So when Jesus heard about this, verse 4, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. If you were with us last week or heard the message, we looked in John 9 how Jesus healed a man born blind. And he said something very similar before that happened. He said, This man was born blind so that the power of God could be seen through him. And here Jesus is saying something similar that, no, this all happened to Lazarus for the glory of God. So that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So if I was someone who cared about Lazarus, and that word traveled back to Mary and Martha, and I had seen Jesus do all of these healings, I'd be feeling pretty good right now. I've seen Jesus say lots of things. He always comes through. He's Jesus. This is going to end up well, isn't it? I'm sure that's what they are thinking. So what does Jesus do? Verse 5, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? So Jesus stayed where he was for two days, even though his good friend was very ill. And this is fascinating to me because John tells us this is because Jesus loves Lazarus. Jesus loves Lazarus, loves Mary, loves Martha so much so that when, his son, when Lazarus is so sick, 
he doesn't go. (laughs) This doesn't really compute with us. Because if Jesus loves us and there's something wrong, certainly Jesus will come and fix it immediately. Maybe that's just a question we should wrestle with. So Jesus waits. Are they going to trust him? And Jesus finally decides to go to Judea and says, all right, guys, let's go. But some of them are saying, well, wait a second. This is very dangerous. We were just in Jerusalem, and they were trying to kill us. We left, and now we're going to go back? No, thank you. And so there's an exchange back and forth. And then Jesus, because he is Jesus, says in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. He knew that Lazarus died He says, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And then Thomas, nicknamed the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. So that shows you just how dangerous this was. Thomas understood that if we're going to go back towards Jerusalem, that means we're all just going to go to our death. That is the courage that Thomas showed. All right, Jesus, I'll follow you. This means we're going to die. Who's with us? That's some courage. Sooner or later, there's always an opportunity to show what you believe about Jesus. And do you have the courage, like Thomas? So when Jesus arrives at Bethany, verse 17, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. There's a couple things I want you to see here as Jesus finally interacts with Martha, who had just lost her brother. Martha has some really good theology. She knows her Bible. She knows things that are true and that are accurate and right. She knows, hopefully what we all know, that someday in the end, God is going to raise everybody up because he created all people to live eternally. The question is just, where will you be eternally? And Martha knows this is true, that Lazarus will, yes, of course, he will rise in the end like all of us. That's good theology. Martha is correct. Martha also has some good theology. She knows that Jesus can heal people. She's seen it. He's healed thousands of sick people, and Martha knows this. She maybe says it in a not super respectful way to Jesus, kind of in a, um, I know better than you, if only you were here, Jesus, way that's a little interesting, but she's grieving. We'll cut her some slack. I think Jesus does here. Um, but she is clearly upset. And they're at a gathering. They're with all these people. And it's not like a funeral like you and I understand a funeral to be. See, we think of a funeral, that's a service. You know, 
30 minutes, an hour long. People share about someone's life. We read some scripture, and then after that's over, you go to a burial. That's how we think of what a funeral is. But for them, the the Jews in the first century, a funeral would really have lasted a whole week. A whole week. They would have come together with family, and people would be coming and going from that home, weeping, grieving with the family. And they're like right in the center of this. It's day four of this week. And I hope this isn't too graphic, but I think it's really important that we understand what happened to Lazarus. We need to know what actually happens to a person when you die. Because I think we just need to know that as we see what Jesus will do. Now, Jews didn't embalm bodies. That's something that we do. That's something the Egyptians did. Um, The Jews would never have had an open casket because of that. They would bury their loved ones as soon as possible because of that. And so they didn't embalm bodies. They put them buried as soon as possible. Um, And so when Lazarus has died, what does that mean for him? Well, it means that his heart had stopped beating. Lazarus' heart stopped It wasn't working anymore. And if your heart stops, your blood doesn't drain or doesn't uh, get pumped to all over your body. And so bacteria will enter your body and start to decompose it. That if the blood isn't being pumped, it'll pool in certain areas, whatever is the lowest part. Your muscles will start to stiffen in about three hours. It's called rigor mortis. In about 24 hours, if anything is dead, especially a person, you'll have no heat at all. Completely cool to the touch. 24 hours, it's gone. 72 hours, that rigor mortis, that stiffness will have passed, and now that body will be soft again. This is why burying loved ones to the Jews happened immediately. They didn't want to see that, but that culture was very different than ours. Death would have been much more in front of them than it is in our eyes. We're separated from that kind of thing where we live. So death would have been more real to the Jews. But I say that just to emphasize This is no near-death experience. This isn't, you know, Lazarus kind of was revived or, you know, he kind of temporarily went to sleep. No, those are all things that happened to Lazarus' body. And this is where Jesus finds himself on day four. And that's when Martha, because she knew all those things too, had her if-only statement for Jesus queued up. She'd been thinking about it for four days. If only you were here. Because she's kind of right. So in response to that doubt, in response to those questions, this is what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Wow. This is Jesus' boldest claim. 
Every single person who believes that about Jesus will never, ever die. Um, Jesus, um, do you not know what's been happening here in Judea for the last four days? Aren't you at a gathering that is remembering somebody who believed in you and they are they're in the tomb? Do we need to remind you that, Jesus? This is kind of bold. This doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of confusing that Jesus would say that here at what is kind of a funeral. If there was ever a time to reject Jesus and to say, no, you're crazy, no way, this is that moment. No. And there he asks that question. Is Jesus the only way to life? Do you believe this? Yes or no? Martha says, yes. Yes, Lord. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. That is what Martha believes, even if it didn't make sense to her, even if she didn't understand or know all the implications of what that would mean. She believes And it would make a lot of sense for Jesus in that moment to do what we kind of know he's going to do with his buddy here, if you know this story at all. Isn't this where this happens, where he, well, as soon as you think and try to anticipate what Jesus is going to do, he does not do that. So he doesn't raise Lazarus in this moment. He stays put. And there's a back and forth. And then Mary comes. In verse 32, Mary arrives and saw Jesus. She falls at his feet and says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's almost like these sisters are sisters or something. And they go back and they talk this over and they've been dwelling on this for a few days together. She says the same thing that Martha said. Again, it's true, but pretty bold to accuse Jesus of messing up. So what does Jesus do? When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up with him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Jesus didn't break out the fireworks. He didn't break out the signs. Jesus got angry. And Jesus wept. That's what Jesus did. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus show us that he is a person just like you and I? That he has feelings, that he is angry at the grief and the pain that his friends and loved ones are experiencing. Jesus, already in the book of John, has said six times that he has the power to raise lives from the dead. He says, I have resurrection power. He said it six times in this gospel. But yet, here he is weeping. Doesn't he know what he's about to do? I I know what he's about to do. Doesn't Jesus know what he's about to do? I mean, isn't this strange? But maybe not if we really know who God is. That even though we may have all the ultimate answers, 
We may have all the truth and the right things in our mind. Life is still hard. It still hurts when there's pain. It still hurts when there's loss. And Jesus feels that. Jesus is showing us something so deep that he cares, that he loves you. He loved Mary. He loves Martha. He loved Lazarus. He felt it. And I just have to say, because the church is the body of Christ, the character of a church is measured by how much we reflect this. The character and the success of White River Christian Church is not measured by how many people we can gather in this room or anywhere under the banner of White River Christian Church. It's how well can we live out being like Jesus in these kinds of moments because it's the body of Christ that reaches out to a hurting world and extends hope and empathy and love in these moments. Can we capture those opportunities? And I would just have to say, I am so proud of our church because if there is one thing that I think defines the DNA of White River Christian Church, it is this, that we do this well, that we reach out to people who are hurting and suffering. Just in the last week, we've participated, hosted, loved on two families who had to say goodbye to their loved ones too soon. And just Thursday... One of our own. Um, we had to say goodbye too soon. Les Harden, he's been a member of White River since White River started, and he is with Jesus. And we're going to be here to love on the Hardens and Janet tomorrow, serve them a meal, love them well. Our church is going to love on them until the end. You see, I also heard a story this week about a family who opened up their home because another member of our church was in the hospital and their family was from out of town and they didn't want them to buy a hotel room for five nights and so they welcomed them into their home. Those are the things that define a church. And that's how we want to be defined, just like Jesus. It is beautiful. And from birth to death, White River Christian Church is committed to connecting every life to Jesus because that's who we are. No matter what you're going through, Jesus cares. He loves you. And even though he could fix anything, he still understands. And so to prove once and for all who he really is, Jesus does something. He raises the question that demands an answer. And in verse 37, some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Okay, we get it. Everyone around the situation understands that Jesus can heal people. We get it. But is he more than just a healer? Jesus was still angry. As he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. He said, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? 
So they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. So whatever Jesus is about to do, he told us exactly, crystal clearly why he's doing it. He is doing whatever he's about to do because he wants them and everybody and everyone who will read it and everyone who will ever hear about it that Jesus came from God, that Jesus is God, that we would believe that. That is what he says so clearly. This is why he does it. And to prove this once and for all, Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. He gives a dead person instructions, expecting them to respond. And the dead man came out. Wow. What do we do with that? Is Jesus God? Yes or no? That is exactly why Jesus said, I did this. Was so that Lazarus, Martha, Mary, everyone standing there, everyone who would hear this story would be confronted with that question. Is Jesus God? Yes or no? And just as you think, It couldn't be possible to say no to the creator of the universe. It would not be possible to say no if I was standing there or if I heard or knew this was how Jesus actually acted. Did you know that Moses said no directly to God? God asked him, would you go be my mouthpiece to Pharaoh? And Moses knew it was God. He said, nope. I'm not going to do it. I'm afraid. Jonah was asked by God directly, will you go talk to these people and tell them that I love them? And he said, no, I'm too proud. I don't care about those people. I'm not going to go. Did you know that Peter, even after the resurrection of Jesus, God came to him in a dream and said, I actually want you to start eating some different things so that these Gentiles will know that I love them too. And he said, No, my traditions are too strong. I just can't do it. So it is very possible to say, no, God, I'm not going to do what you ask me to do. No. And I care about Moses. I care about Peter. I care about Martha. But John is asking you and me, do you believe this? What are you going to do with this? And there are different answers in John to that question. Is Jesus God in your life? Do you believe that? Yes or no? There are lots of people that said yes. Jesus, I believe in you. Martha is one of those. Yes, I believe. And Jesus said, Martha, because you believe, you will see things that no one has ever seen. There's lots of people that said yes. And again, it might sound crazy, but there were lots of people that said no. I don't believe it. 
one page over in John 12, 37. This blows my mind. John 12, 37 says, despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus had done, all of them, despite all of them, most of the people, that's not a misprint. John is just recording what happened. Most of the people still did not believe. How is that possible? Jesus is God. He's showing us who he is. He's raising people from the dead. He's feeding 5,000. He's walking on the water. He's turning water into wine so that we would see the sign that Jesus is God. How can you miss it? Because our hearts are hard and sometimes we just say no. And just when we think it's that simple, it's either yes or no, John tells us actually it's a little more complicated than that. In John 12, 42, many people did believe in him. However, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they would not admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. They loved human praise more than the praise of God. There's a yes, there's a no, and I think there's a whole lot of people that live in the middle that say, yes, Jesus did that. Yes, I believe that about Jesus, but what does that mean for me? Yes, with a but. Yes, but I'm not willing to pay the price. Yes, but I don't know what that's going to mean for my life. And so people keep wrestling with it. And these people here, when they lived and saw it with their own eyes, kept wrestling. And they finished their life with that but, with those questions, with that fear. And that is my fear for the people that live here now, today, that are hearing this message because this is written so that you may believe. That is what John tells us. He finishes the gospel saying that's the whole reason this is written. This is the whole reason Jesus did all this stuff was so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's why he did this. So that you would believe with no buts, no qualifications, no fear, no pride, no tradition that you're going to hold on to, but that you're going to say, yes, Jesus, whatever you want for me, I believe in you. You're going to give me life now and forever. And so I trust you. So we want to give you the opportunity in response to all of this to say yes. Maybe you just need to say yes again to reaffirm that commitment in your life because as John said, this is written so that you may continue to believe. So this is not a statement that, no, I never believed in the past. This is written so that you will continue to believe or maybe you're sitting there and thinking, I've never believed, I've never said that, I've never told anybody that. This is the moment for that. And so I wanna invite everyone to stand and we're gonna have an opportunity to respond but I wanna pray for you as we enter these moments, that we would have all the confidence in the world that Jesus is God and that we've given our life to him. Let me pray for you. Father, we believe that you sent Jesus here on this earth to save us, that he is your son, that he is God, that he loves us, 
And that even though he will do things sometimes in our life that we don't understand, it's because he loves us. Maybe you won't heal us, but it's because you love us. And God, may you come in power over your church today. Through your spirit, remove any barriers in our hearts that are saying no, so that we would say yes to you, Jesus. Work in this moment. May you be lifted up in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.